Welcome listeners, I'm joined today by two lovely ladies, fellow Aussies Angela Mueller and her mother Helen Darlington. Uh, Angela was in the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, Australia, recovering from head injuries in 1987 when Michael Jackson visited her. Uh, Michael was in Melbourne on his bad tour, and we'll get to the visit soon, but first I just wanted to welcome you ladies and say hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you for talking with me today. Uh, Angela, I'm not sure how much you remember about pre-1987, so Helen, maybe you could take us back to before the accident occurred and tell us a little bit about 1987 and what everyday life was like for you guys. Well, at the time I was uh, working for the TAB, actually, as a, they had green screens. Do you remember those? No. They had green screens for betting. Anyway, we, we were in, I was, that's where I was employed, and her father was a printer. Yep. But we had separated, and then he, in his care, Angela got hit by a car. So, yeah, apparently I I did. Um, I was with my dad. I was being looked after by him, and he was at the theatre. I can't remember which theatre it was, but um, it was, yeah, he was at the theatre doing his... Uh, rehearsal and uh every day i went across the road um from that theater and uh picked a flower for my mum and gave it to her whenever you know i got handed back to my mum because my parents had sort of joint custody they were separated anyway um and they didn't live together anymore and yeah so i was sort of going from dad to mom and you know back to his place and then back to her place and yeah so every day I'd pick a flower for for my mom and give it to her when I saw her um and then one day we were at the theater I was at the theater with dad and uh I went to pick the flower I ran outside without being supervised and I went to pick the flower I crossed the road um and uh, suddenly this car comes. My mum said it was a blind man, but I'm like, well, how can a blind man be driving a car? <laughs> but obviously he didn't see me. So, yeah, so I was walking across the road, picked the flower, and then this guy hit hit me travelling at about 20 kilometres an hour. I bounced off the car and then ended up in the in the hospital after that, my uh, my mum was uh, so upset and distraught, and I'm sure that my dad was as well. Yeah, um, the whole family actually, and yeah, I was three weeks in a coma. So three weeks. So you you've obviously gone to hospital, and obviously three weeks have passed. I can't ask you what was going on in that three weeks because you would have no idea. Could you hear anything going on that you remember while you're in the um, my my mum and my dad were were arguing back and forth yeah. as I was in the hospital, apparently, you know, blaming each other. And especially my mum, she was so upset and she just blamed my dad. And, and yeah. the nurses had to pull them out, pull both my mum and my dad out of the room and say, this is not helping, okay? You're not going to help your child get better um, mm-hmm. if you're constantly arguing and screaming and yelling at around her so she's not going to want to come back to this so 
leading up to the visit, so are you staying in the hospital with her? Yeah, I had a, a room with in McDonald Ronald House. Ronald McDonald. Ronald McDonald House used to stay, which was very nice. And so for three weeks, I mean, you've, uh, I don't think people understand putting your life on pause and staying in a hospital for three weeks is going to take its toll on you as well. How were you feeling? I was feeling terrible at the time when Ange was in it. It was an induced coma because they weren't sure of what it had done to her brain, you know, being hit by a car. So, uh, uh, there were lots of others. Sometimes we stayed in the hospital on hammocks with the children around us. Very, uh, a very nice hospital, Melbourne. Oh, yeah, what is it? Royal Children's Yeah, but I, the, all the staff were just amazing. And of course, her father and I were at loggerheads. <laughs> it wasn't very friendly between us. Uh, so, but, when, how did you hear that? Michael Jackson was coming in. Did someone tell you in advance? No one told us anything. Just straight away. No one knew nothing. It was just when he arrived. That's how quiet they keep it because they don't want fans turning up at a very private and children getting better in a hospital. Yeah, of course. Nobody said anything. They didn't publicise these things at all because, you know, you'd have – People racing to the Royal Children's Hospital to uh, see Michael Jackson. So all the nurses and that were told not to say anything. And on the day he arrived, nobody knew anything, not the children, nobody. So that was a good thing. They just covered him. He walked in. He looked absolutely gorgeous because that was his bad album. Album where he he was very handsome looking person. Uh, dressed in his bad outfit, which was all studs and leather. Oh, wow. And Yeah. And uh, he walked in and he had six bodyguards around him. And all I could see were these, all these men standing around him with big smiles. And I said, can I shake his hand? And they said, yes. And all of a sudden all these bodyguards moved away. So oh, wow. I got a chance to be close to him and say hello and thanks for coming in. I think a lot of the people love your album and they all appreciate you and it's good for the children. In fact, one lady told me her little boy got better after meeting Michael Jackson. He had a head injury. It was the head injury department of the hospital. Yeah. And um, like I said, Everyone, we only got one photograph, but they took lots of photos. They gave us a signed book of Michael Jackson. He went up, he put his arm around Angela. She was in a red chair. Yeah. She was still under great care after getting a big bump on the noggin (laughs) from a car accident. Um, And um, it was lovely. And he was just very kind to all the children. They were all just so excited. And as I said, some of them got better. Yeah, I've heard similar stories. Angela, do you remember how you felt when he came in? Do you remember much about that? I I don't at all. Um, I was, uh, yeah, just coming out of the coma. And, yeah, basically what I said in the last uh, time you interviewed me was that all I can remember is going through the hallway um, in the red chair 
and not really knowing what was going on at all. Yeah, she was strapped into a chair because she couldn't walk or talk. She had to be retaught all those things. That was my first memory. Yeah. Helen, did you see, in your eyes, how did Angela go with that visit? Um, Did that make a change to her? Did it make her feel better? I think it was kind of inspiring because she sort of started getting back into life again, you know, starting to walk and talk and... Um, who took that photo? Um, that was a nurse who secretly took it. Ah. We were told not to take any photos. So his team didn't take mm-hmm. photos? His team took photos, but we, the staff and people uh, with our sick children, were told not to um, take any photos, please. But one one nurse sneaked that one in. <laughs> Good on her, luckily. And did you see him interact with any other families, any other people? Yes, he did. He interacted with all the children and their parents and some children were just, they had uh, such, some had really bad injuries, I mean head injuries, where their heads were cut open and, and they had stitches. In Angela's case, it was just a matter, you know, with the brain being a very, you have to be very careful with it. It was just a matter of getting her back intact again. She had a shake-up from the accident, you know, shook her brain up. Terrible. Did you make friends with anybody else in the hospital? I made friends with women at the hospital and I had friends outside who would take me for a beer. Do you still keep in contact with them? Um, Well, some have passed and uh, some... not really. Were you in the hospital for much longer after the visit? We were in the hospital for six weeks and then the nurses and doctors suggested that as her father and I were not getting on well, that I should take her to Adelaide where they have excellent resources called Regency Park yeah. for um, uh, straightening out children who've been in accidents or have problems. Was that in Adelaide? That's in Adelaide, yeah. It's renowned, Adelaide Regency Park. It's renowned for um, children who've had injuries so where they can relax and come out of um, the ordeal. Rehabilitation. Rehabilitation, yes. Yeah. Now, I did read, uh, Helen, you told a, a, the similar story of the visit to some sort of publication. Was that just after Michael Jackson died? Uh Yes. Yes, it was. We have a book with his signature on it, but uh, I can't seem to find it. It's in the house somewhere. Remember we, we sent our story to, um, was it New Idea? Yeah, we sent our story to New Idea and they gave us $50. Oh, really? For the story. Yeah, you and they can, printed it? They printed it, yes, and that was very nice. And they did an interview with both of us, mainly Helen. Yeah, it was amazing the way... When I was, I still had the picture in my mind. He's standing in the middle of these six men, and I'm. Uh, I said, "Can I shake his hand?" And they all stepped aside. It was amazing. And did you, did you say anything to him? And did he speak to you? I just said, "How are you?" And he said, "How are you?" And I said, uh, "Things are better now that you're here," or some some little snippet of conversation, but it wasn't much. I remember. I met Michael as well in 96, and I remember when I shook his hand, the feeling I got was, oh, wow, this guy is actually really big and a strong handshake, and 
What were your feelings about of that interaction? A very strong handshake, and he looked – he was so handsome. I just can't tell you how – in his bad outfit, you know. He was just uh, – What was he wearing? What, was, what did it look like? It was leather and chains and things like that. So, so. six weeks in the hospital, then you've gone back to Adelaide and you started to recover and you started to recover well? Yeah, yeah. Angela started to get very much uh, much better because we were living out in the sticks. The, we... out, the outer southern area yeah. near the beach. Near the beaches. Yes. Nice. Mm. <laughs> yeah. well, well, it was good to, to hear that your recovery went well and I know you've gone on uh, Angela to travel and... <laughs> You've yeah. got a family of your own now, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, what are you up to these days? So I, uh, I have not let the uh, the injury stop me. I've had to be aware of my limitations um, in terms of uh, learning. Yeah, accept some of those limitations, as I was told by uh, some psychiatrists and psychologists um, over the years. Um, and to accept that, um, but uh, I went on to uh, to do a certificate four in business admin, so I could be an administrator or receptionist, or can work on computers and all that kind of stuff. Um, then I went on to do a diploma of library and information services, and then from there that wasn't enough for me, so I went on to do a bachelor of arts, and I actually won a um, a scholarship to go overseas and do an internship. Um, in San Francisco in 2012. Oh. With Wiley, who With, are the publishing companies. Yeah, Wiley, one of the world's biggest publishing companies. Wow. And then um, I uh, I also published a book of my own called Slim. Train the book. Called Slim oh. Frank, 1922 to 2012. It's about my grandfather and his, uh, his, his growing up. Yeah, is that Helen's father? Yes. Yeah. So it's um, it's out there now. It took me a couple of years to uh, to finish that. People say it's only a hundred page book, but people say it's insightful. It talks about okay, the Great yeah, Depression. Yeah, the Great Depression when Frank was growing up. Um, it also talks about how he joined the army, the Australian army, and then went overseas to the Middle East and. Uh, um, being in action there and his brother passing away and returning to uh, Australia. Um, and uh, he also fought in Pap- Papua New Guinea as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had some psychological issues yeah, and physical he, issues from that. He had to kill a man and he didn't really like doing that. So it talks a little bit about Australian history and uh, family history in the context of uh, of um, that era. Yeah. Yeah, and then goes on to tell about the hippies in the 60s and 70s. So these stories came from your grandfather himself? You sat down and spoke to him? Yes. Yes. And also my own research. Um, but a lot of them, you know, he sat down with me um, when I was a child and he'd always tell me, these stories of his youth and and um, back during World War Two, and that's what gave you the idea to jot it all down and put it into a document. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Awesome, and so that's been published. You've published that now. 
Yes, it's self-published and it's available online through Booktopia. Show the book again. It's called Slim Frank. 1922 to 2012. Uh, yes, so that was a big achievement for me as well. Yeah, 100%. That's amazing. I thought I'd use my university degree for something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and have you got a passion for writing now? I've always had a passion for writing. It's uh, being an only child, I, uh, you know, I had to find something to do with my time. <laughs> so uh, writing was a good um, outlet and uh, I've always been fascinated by other people's stories. So when she was a little girl, she went on a show called Couch Potato. Oh, she yeah. said, I'm a playwright. She was about eight years old. She said, I'm a playwright. I've written about five plays. Oh, wow. Um, the most careless restaurant in the world, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I used to put, put these plays on, these little one-page plays um, in school. Yeah. And, um, yeah, get my friends to uh, be the actors <laughs> as well as myself. They loved it. Oh, that's so mm. cool. Have you still got your little memos of all of your scripts? Yes, she has. They're up. Yeah, I, I, yeah, she has. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So as you can see, I uh, even despite having a head injury, I, it hasn't stopped me. It hasn't held me back. Well, we do <laughs> think Michael Jackson might have had a little to do with her survival because that's... a lot of people said that at the time because, you know, the world was crazy about Michael then. Yeah. And... Young men who, or young boys. This who, is the 80s and 90s. Yes, in the hospital, their mums were saying, he's getting better. That must be because Michael came in. <laughs> yeah, and look, I've got to tell you, look, I was researching for my book for years and years and I've probably interviewed probably over a couple of hundred people um, and a lot of people that were kids back in the 80s and 90s and that were in hospitals and similar to yourself, there's a lot of cancer sufferers and and things like that. And I can tell you very much that there seems to be an ongoing theme of people feeling like, yeah, they did get better after the visit and they felt warmth in his visit and their spirit soared and just all these beautiful, beautiful stories um, about, you know, getting better. Well, he was an amazing person, wasn't he, really? Yeah, and there's, you know, there's a lot to be said about having hope and what a, what a smile can do for a sick, sick kid who's been in hospital for three weeks, for three months, for three years, some of these kids. That's why I want to get these stories out there because we all know there's a lot of garbage that's written in the media about Michael Jackson. That's true. So, um, I think he was... I, I never believed any of those stories. No, I didn't either. I didn't no. believe any of those uh, rubbish stories. And most people that either know him or have done their research know that it's complete bogus media hype crap. But um, we won't talk about that. Um, no. have you, so to finish up the, the chat, Angela, have you got any other aspirations of writing or any other projects you want to do next? Uh, well, I have written a lot of poetry over the years and I was thinking I could do that, but this next step with um, this publication is to actually send the Slim Frank is uh, to um, send it through to a local publisher for um, distribution into bookstores. That's the next big step. And I'm doing a launch in Adelaide in December. I'm hoping at uh, I'm in touch with the McGill RSL in Adelaide. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, I've been in touch with them recently to get um, 
to get some sort of event happening for uh, for Slim Frank, nineteen twenty two to twenty twelve, the book. Cool. Yeah, and hopefully from there, it can go on a bit further. I'm not sure if there's anything, any last words that I want to say. Well, oh, I- apart from my family, they they really supported me through. Um, through all of that and my auntie sort of came into the hospital when I was there and she said, you know, Angela, come back to us. Um, so without that family support, um, it would have been much more difficult. And They all came over from Adelaide so to support my mum and, uh, and me as well. Um, I did want to just reiterate, actually, um, to the listeners that you guys weren't paid for this um, interview. I just asked if you would like to chat, and you graciously said yes, you were happy to. Um, so I really appreciate it. It's in the name of truth. It's not in the name of making money or anything like that. Um, so I just wanted to reiterate that as well before we leave. That's wonderful. And you know what? We love Michael Jackson and we love Melbourne. Well, I'd like to say thank you very much for interviewing us, Paul. It's been lovely. And thank you so uh, we, look much. Forward, we look forward to um, hearing the podcast. Thanks, heaps. I'll talk to you soon, Angela. I'll keep you updated on any links. And very nice to meet you, Helen. Thank you very much no, for coming. Okay, no problem. Thanks so Take much. Take care, guys. Have a nice Bye-bye. day. Bye. Bye.